0: Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can we welcome our online campus, Germantown campus, Appleton campus? Welcome, everybody. Amen. It's great to see you. Great to have you with us today. And uh, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, I'm going to get there in just a minute. Uh, And I want to really just kind of echo something that you've been hearing that we've been talking about as we're kind of coming into these uh, last half of January. And that is is for the life group signups. I really hope that you'll avail yourself to the opportunity to uh, get connected uh, and to try uh, a life group. And I say try because if you've never done it before, it can be a bit sometimes... um, you're like, I don't know these people, or I'm new to church. What if they're weird? And I always say this, and so let me say this again: If you go to a group and they're weird, you don't ever have to go back. If you go to a group and they're weird, you can just tell us they're weird, and we'll we'll we'd like to know that. Um, seriously, it helps us. Um, we we because uh, <laughs> we don't want we want people to feel very welcome. In case from time to time there'll be things that just doesn't really connect or whatever, and so we want to do that. Uh, I think we're like 99.9% weird-free uh, as a life group, if that makes any sense. I think you're going to find that it's a great experience and it's good. But in case it is, I'll let you off the hook. And if they ask you why you didn't go back, you just say because Pastor told me not to. You can say that, and that will shut down any conversation. It'll come to me then. I promise you. But again, um, I'm involved in life groups. My wife was involved in life groups. Uh, we do this. We start in elementary. They actually group during the weekend service. Uh, and, and during that time is a small group time. And then as they get into middle school and into high school, it's separate from, the, from, from their service experience. And then as, as adults, this is just a healthy, healthy, healthy pattern. Uh, and it's what Jesus did. And so I just want to encourage you uh, on the communication card uh, at the orange uh, tent in the in the foyer uh, of, of the theater that you're in in Appleton or here at the Germantown campus or even if you're online, you, there's an online campus pastor right now. You can just simply ask, simply ask questions and uh, there may even be some, some opportunities there for you just to be able to interact. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. Well, today I'm doing this message on Send Me and I'm kind of talking about something that uh, I, I have always... Uh, been curious of, and that is, how does God speak? How does God call? How does God send us? And and so growing up, I've always wanted to know the will of God for my life, and I I don't think as a Christ follower that I'm any different than you. I think if we knew, I think everybody would say, hey, if I knew what God wanted me to do, I'd just do it. There's this thing called faith that, that comes into play, and I think sometimes if we really knew all that what God really wanted us to do, I wonder sometimes if we really would go and do some of that. Because because if we knew where we were going on the end, if we knew what he was going to ask of us to do, if we knew where he was asking us to go or what happens, uh, that leap is too big. So God tends to lead in steps and not in leaps. That's the whole, when people say take a leap of faith, that holds no theological water. God never asks that of us anywhere in Scripture. It's always a step. Now, the step may be big the step may be consequential, the step may have a lot of effect to it but it's nonetheless a step and so and 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 I think it would be easier in some ways if God just sent you an email or a text every day and told you what to do uh, or for the big decisions that you're trying to make in your life or with your family or marriage or whatever and, and all of those things I, I think there are it would make that easier but there's this faith interaction that I have to learn how to hear his voice and to trust his voice I have to know what that is and what that's not it develops a relationship and so I don't think I'm alone in wanting to try to figure out, you know, does God speak? And what do you do when God speaks? What's required of you? Can you say no to God? Um, the answer that is yes. Uh, does God still speak today or is that just something that happened in the Bible? And, and, and how do I know the voice of God? When someone says they felt like God spoke to them about something, what does that mean? Um, so... I think we've all processed through these questions and, and from time to time, especially in trying to follow who Jesus is and trying to follow that example. And so what's the answer? What's the response? That's what I want to look at today, if that's okay with you. I want to look at those, some of those questions. What do you do when God speaks? Does God still speak? How do you know the voice of God? Can you tell God no? I want to give you a statement, and I'm going to show you. I'm going to, I'm going to support everything I'm giving you today with Scripture. We are all called, quote, unquote, by God, which means God has a plan for all of us to go. We, you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, every one of us, I'm gonna show this in scripture, are all called. God speaks to every one of us. We're all called to go, which means God has a plan for all of us. And that plan means action. The great commission of the church is to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. To go, not just to pray, not just to give, but to go. God asks action of us. Love really is a verb. In that context. And so how are you so sure that God's called all of us? Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, divides all everyone who are followers in Jesus Christ into one of two categories. First, look, look at this with me. And he, speaking of Jesus, himself, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In short, verse 11 is vocational ministry. So there have been some that are called to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers vocational ministry. You give your life to that. That's what you do with your life. That is the reason you get up in the morning. That's what you do vocationally. That's it. That's, That's your life. And look who those people are to serve. The saints of the church. Notice the saints of the church are not the teachers and the pastors and the evangelists and the prophets. They're you. Well, who are those people? Those are the people that are called saints. Called by God. Just as vocational ministry into the marketplace. Non vocational ministry. That's you. So whether you go to a, a high-rise downtown, whether you are a stay-at-home parent shuttling kids around and shuffling all of that, whether whether you're a college student trying to get your degree in business, whether you're a teacher at a school, a local elementary school, whether you're a, a doctor that works at a medical complex or maybe has multiple sites, whether you're a business owner, whether you're an entrepreneur, whatever it is that you have been called to do, whether you work at a factory, whether you work outside, whether you're a carpenter, whether you build homes. Whatever it is that you're called to do, you're you're in one of those two categories vocational ministry or marketplace ministry. We're all ministers. We are all called. Well, just as the same way that God called me to be a pastor, God speaks to you about what you're to do with your life. Have you asked Him? God, where do you want me to go to college? God, what do you want me to study? Lord, what do you want me to pursue? See, it's just as important for you to understand that God wants you to be an engineer or a doctor or he wants you to go into a, a technical school and, and learn a trait. It's just as important as his, for you to do that as it is for me or a missionary or an evangelist or a pastor, teacher, whatever, to do that. We have this thought that, no, 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 it's, that's kind of a high calling. No, the high calling is, is whatever it is that God has put in your life to do. That's your high calling. So what is that? In order for you to know what that is, you have to ask of God. In order for you to understand that, God has to speak. The good news is he will. The scary part is, will you ask him? Sometimes we don't want to ask God because, quite frankly, we don't really want to do sometimes what he wants us to do. You know what I'm saying? Like like, like pastoring, I love pastoring, I love this, I love you, I love all of this, but honestly, if I could just have been in your shoes and not doing this, I'd be really happy with that. My plan was I just wanted to be a business guy. And um, that's really what I wanted to do. I, I, I get geeked out, and many of you, I will sit and talk to you about what you do for a living and how you do that and how that works and how this works and how you network to get that. And it's just fascinating to me how that works. I was talking to someone the other day, and, and they're with a group of investors, and they've created this particular app and, and all of this, this particular product that, 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 that's really gaining some traction. That's just fascinating to me. But that's not what God called me to do. How do you know that? Well, he speaks. There's also a passion in my heart. There's also a desire in my life that just what gets me up in the morning and puts me to bed at night is not business. He didn't give me the grace to do that. He gave me the grace to do what I'm doing. Because look at verse 11 and verse 12. They all come together for verse 13, which is to basically to preach and to establish the fullness of who Jesus is. Your job and my job is to lift high Jesus. Your job and my job is to go into our world Your job and my job is to go into our world and to magnify, to lift up, to proclaim who Jesus is. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go to the lunchroom in your office complex and stand up there and begin to preach. It doesn't mean you have to put bumper stickers all over your car. It doesn't mean you have to do anything that you wouldn't want to do. But it does mean that the love of Christ and who Jesus is shines through you in such a way that is a witness and a life and testimony. It does mean that God's brought you to that business, to that place, to that factory, to that office complex. He's brought you into that life. He's brought you into that marriage. He's, brought, he's given you, blessed you with those children if you're a stay-at-home parent. He, he, he's done that in such a way in order for you to be used of him to do what? To show for the fullness of Christ, to establish the fullness of Christ. Because the Bible says it really simply. Jesus, when Jesus is preached into all the earth, then the end shall come. Do you want to know why I'm so geeked out about missions? Do you know why I'm so geeked out about, about going into every man's world and preaching teaching the gospel? Not only is it the Great Commission, but the Bible says that when that is done, Jesus is coming back. That's why when I hear about God doing things in different parts of the world, it excites me. When I hear about the number of people in the Middle East right now that are coming to faith in Jesus Christ in exponential numbers, when I talk to missionaries and people that have given 10 and 20 and 30 years of their life in the Middle East, and they're telling me of things that they cannot report on because of the the physical harm that could be done to converts that are coming to faith in Christ in very hostile areas, it's amazing to me. It, is abs- it just tells me Jesus is coming back, and so I want to do everything that I can to, to fuel that and to do that. And so God speaks to us. And, so, and, and so, so how does God speak? Well, first of all, he does speak, and the Bible is full of examples of how God speaks. That's one of the reasons why God gives us the word, because when we see it in Scripture, we realize that, that it, it's possible in our lives. Let me help you with something, too. Sometimes people can say, well, things can be taken out of context. and well, That's true. But the reality is, is that when you see something more than once, more than twice, with with at least three times, there is a doctrine that can be established, theologically speaking. All you see throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament is God speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. Even to the New Testament, you see God speaking. I'm reading right now through the book of, of, I'm reading through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's just a personal thing I'm doing right now, and, and I'm kind of walking through it synoptically. There's a thing called the Synoptic Gospels, which basically synchronizes all of the Gospels and puts them into a time syncrasy from how they, in the order in which they happen, because these are four different accounts of the life of Jesus. And so they're not all, one doesn't pick up, you know, Matthew doesn't end, and, and then Mark doesn't pick up where Matthew ends off. It, it's a, it goes back to the beginning, it tells you the, his whole perspective. One of the things that I find interesting that I've read read those passages over and over and over and over and over that that I just found very interesting is how God spoke to Joseph, the father of Jesus. It's interesting that when, because God always works through authority when he speaks, so he speaks to Mary through an angel uh, in order to tell her what was conceived of her was of the Holy Spirit, that she'd bring forth a son, that he'd be the Messiah. Then Mary is engaged to be married to Joseph, And God speaks to Joseph in a dream. God never speaks to Joseph through an angel or through an audible voice, but always through dreams. So he speaks to Joseph through a dream. When Mary and Joseph come together and they're engaged and they go, from that point forward, God never speaks to Mary again about the life of Jesus. He always speaks to Joseph. Why? Because Joseph then becomes the head of the home. He's not better than Mary, equal but different. God always works through, God always speaks through authority. So God speaks to, to Joseph and says, now it's time to take the, the baby, to take Jesus and to go to Egypt and to flee because Herod's going to impose a genocide to try to kill him. And that's exactly what Herod did. When the genocide had lifted and Herod was dead, then God spoke to him again in a dream three times. The life To, Mary, to, to, to take Mary and to, to marry her and to, to be the father and to raise up Jesus to go to Egypt, and then when they're in Egypt, after Herod dies, the Holy Spirit, in a dream, God speaks to him again a third time and says, now it's time to go back to Nazareth. Why? Because what would be fulfilled of him in the Old Testament prophet, that he would be a Nazarene. God speaks. So when we see it in Scripture, we realize that it can happen. And God can speak audibly, yes. He speaks through his word. That's a powerful part. And most often that time that happens. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. You as a Christ follower, there's just times you feel there's a leading of the Holy Spirit. You just feel really impressed in that way. He speaks, he can speak through dreams, through visions. Uh, he can speak through other people, but only as confirmation. That's really important to understand. If somebody ever comes up to you and says, you know, God spoke to me and told me da da da. da, 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 da. If that doesn't resonate with you, in the words of the great theologian Taylor Swift, just shake that off. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's times people will walk up and go, God spoke to me and told me this is what we're supposed to do at the church. Well, when he tells me that, that's what we'll do. But until then, anything, anything that's got more than one head is a freak. You understand that? You guys, you know what I'm saying? So if somebody walked in the room with two heads, there's something wrong. Can we agree, at least agree on that? Okay, so they walk in. So, so God always works through authority. So if God's going to speak to you about your life, he's not going to speak to me about you before he speaks to you about you. He may use me as a confirmation in your life. This is good teaching for some of you to understand. This is what keeps us from getting weird and wacky and kind of getting in the weeds on this stuff. It's it's the deal of of God will speak to you about your life, but he may use someone in your life to say, hey, hey, this is what I think God may be saying, and any time I have ever felt like God was speaking to me about someone else, I have always very gingerly And very kindly and treaded very lightly. You will very rarely ever hear me say, God said. I just don't use verbiage like that. Because I think that when you say God said and God didn't say, according to the Old Testament, you're a false prophet. And they should should stone you and burn you. That's what they did to false prophets. So I don't want to be stoned or burned. So you understand? So in order not to do that, I just kind of go, hey, as I was praying the other day, you really were heavy on my heart. And so I just began to pray for you. And as I was praying for you, I really felt like... God is doing something like da-da-da-da-da in your life. If, that, if that's a confirmation to you of something, just know that God's just speaking to other people about praying for you and, and doing, and that's what he does sometimes. If it doesn't, and uh, then, then just forgive me. That was probably a bad Chipotle, and I'm sorry. And I just kind of go on. Why? Because you never want to put that on someone. I'll never forget before boarding an airplane, uh, I was meeting with a group of, of leaders and church planters, in the UK, and we were having this conversation. At the end, this guy stops, and he points across the conference table, and he looks at me, and he tr- he's like he's reading my mail, and he just, da 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 And this is going to happen. It's going to be calamity. It's going to be gloom. It's going to be doom. Here's what's going to happen. And, and I'm thinking, I'm fixing to get on an airplane in like 12 hours. Don't speak this over me kind of a deal, you know? And I get back in the car, and I'm with a friend of mine, and I just said, does that resonate with you at all? Because I just think the guy's off. He goes, dude, just shake it off. He's completely he's trying to put that on me. None of what he said happened. None of what happened happened, right? But, and I know that the Bible says that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind. So God's word speaks against what he was trying to speak to me, if that makes any sense. You just push that away. And so the other thing is, is that when God speaks, he never conflicts with his word. So people come to me and go, well, God told me to divorce my spouse and to marry this other person because I'll be happy. Wrong. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I don't even have to read. I don't have to pray about that. Why? Because the Bible says very clearly that that, that God doesn't allow for divorce so that you're happy. Amen. Man, I'm preaching way better than you're shouting. Maybe you're just feverishly taking notes and it's hard for you to do two things at once. Okay, I I get that. It's hard for me to walk and chew gum at the same time, so I'm totally with you. The point is, is that I'm not trying to speak about something that's weird. I'm just trying to say that God will work in and through our lives. So how how do I know that God hasn't changed? That He used to speak, but He doesn't speak. Well, His Word says, Malachi chapter three, verse six, that I, the Lord God, change not. He says of Himself that I'm the same today, yesterday, and forever. So how He operated in Genesis chapter one is the same way He operates all the way through Scripture. So we see these patterns. Therefore, God is speaking and wants to speak to you. The question is, are you listening? He wants to speak to you through his word. He wants to th- speak to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. He, he wants to speak to, to in your life and, and maybe sometimes in very supernatural ways. He's never spoken to me in a dream or in a vision. That helps you at all. There's been two times in my life that I knew God told me to do something. Unequivocally, that's exactly what I was supposed to do. One was where I went to Bible college, and I was a senior in high school, and I can take you to the, to the spot in the chapel there in Missouri where I went to college, and I was trying to discern the will of God, and there was a message in tongues according to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 14, and 15. It's, it's biblical. And there was an interpretation. Dane Hall gave the message in tongues. Dr. Jesse Moon, who was the, 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 the prof, the head of evangelism for that department, gave the interpretation. I can still tell you to this day what what God said. My son, I've had your life planned before you were ever born. If you will but keep your eyes upon me and trust in me, I will lead you where I want you to go and take care of all the details, says the word of the Lord. I knew that's where I was supposed to go. The second time that I knew that God spoke to my heart was to come here. Only two times in my life. And this is what the Lord said. I'm doing a great work in that city at that location. And I'm simply inviting you to be a part. So we, we're led in those ways. What about the other times? Are the other times did you miss God? Well <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a theology of it's good with me and with the Holy Spirit. The power that raised Christ from the dead, Jesus Christ dwells in me, dwells in you. And so there's this presence of God. There's this strength of God. There's this knowing of God in our hearts and in our lives. And so I walk this out with peace, and I walk this out with knowing God's voice. How do you know the voice of God? Well, John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep, so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. How do you know someone's voice? By hearing it. How do you know the voice of God? In a practical sense. By reading the Bible, by praying regularly, and by just being still and quieting your heart in such a way that you give God room and space to speak. For some of you, God speaks to you in a worship service. For some of you, it's in a walk in the middle of wintertime when the snow's falling and it quiets the earth. For some of you, it may be on a lake. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Early morning, sitting there, maybe reading your Bible, having a cup of coffee in the stillness and the quietness of the moment. For some of you, it's on a missions trip. For some of you, it's while you're serving, serving other people. For some of you, it's early in the morning or late at night and you're having a personal and prayer and devotional time. For some of you, it's, it's, it's with a group of, of Christ followers that you do life with, that, that you're in a Bible study and a, and a small group with. For some of you, it, it's when you're hearing the preaching of God's word. God's speaking. Are you listening? You will know his voice because you've heard it. You know how, like, as a parent, you can hear your child's voice? Halfway across the department store. As a kid growing up, (laughs) in this little Sunny Mead neighborhood that we grew up in, I could hear my mother's voice blocks away. While I'm playing a game of pickup football in the backyard of Ernie Beatty's house, I could hear my mother yelling, Aaron, Ashley Cole. Ashley's our middle name. If you want to make fun of it, I'll beat you up after service. (laughs) Gone with the wind, that's why. I know. So anyhow, you know the voice because you have heard it over and over and over and over and over. But you don't know it if you don't hear it. That's the value of regularly attending church. That's the value of regularly reading God's word, regularly praying, regularly being just in a rhythm of listening and knowing. How do you respond to God's leading? I want to kind of end with this. There's all kinds, but these are the common responses. Jonah said, here I am, but I'm not going. He eventually went. We typically eventually do what God wants us to do. But when God spoke to him, he says, God, I'm here, but I'm not going. He went the opposite direction. Only to find himself in the belly of the whale, coming to the end of himself, and then going to do what God wanted him to do. For Moses, Moses says, here I am, but send somebody else. God, I'm available, but really, I'm very slow of speech. Scholars tell us that he had a speech impediment and was not a very good public speaker and didn't speak much. And so God consented and allowed Aaron, his brother, uh, to speak for him. And Aaron would become the high priest, the first high priest of Israel, and to be the mouthpiece. But really, Moses didn't want to do the job. One of the greatest, if you talk to any Orthodox Jew about great leaders in their history, they will tell you that Moses would have been the Messiah had he not lost his cool in the wilderness. That's how highly regarded Moses is. Phenomenal leader, never wanted to be that. Jeremiah says, here I am, but I'm not the right age. I hear this a lot of times. I'm too young to do that. I'm I'm too old to do that. I'm too whatever to do that. That was his excuse. Isaiah has an interesting, as you read, and again, I could just go through person after person after person, but for time I'll stop here. Isaiah has an interesting uh, response to the voice of God as God calls him and leads him. He says, here I am, send me. If you read it in Isaiah chapter 6, I'm not going to read that passage, but if you read Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8, you'll read the, 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 the calling of Isaiah. I mean, you can read all these, all, the, all these callings of great men and women that are all throughout scripture. And Isaiah has this amazing, he's standing in the presence of God moment where he sees angels and he sees the power of God. And, and the Bible says that, 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 that the room was just filled and that the room shook. And that, I mean, he's physically seen whether you want to call it a, a physical manifestation or a vision, whatever you want to call it, he sees it in a, in, in a real sense. And then he hears the voice of God. Verse 8, it says this, And I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I, Isaiah, said, here am I, send me. The most powerful response to God's call in your life are those words. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I believe God speaks and is speaking. The question is, are we listening? I believe God has called every one of us as Christ followers either to vocational ministry or marketplace ministry. How do you know which? Ask him. He'll tell you. And you know, and this is really deeply spiritual what I'm about to say, you know and you're knower. You know what I'm saying? Like you, just, you know because it's confirmed through his word. It's confirmed through the Holy Spirit, which is in your heart. It's not your conscience. It's the Holy Spirit. It's a piece of God, the book of Galatians says, that umpires and rules your heart. It rules your heart the peace of God does you know nothing around you may not make make any sense but you know this is what God's asking you to do and so there are times where God speaks to you that you're supposed to go across the aisle and help somebody you're supposed to pull the car over and help somebody along the road you're supposed to go take care of somebody's driveway in the wintertime you're supposed to stop and help that person God speaks to you about meeting a bill or a financial need of someone that you know of or maybe the Lord impresses something on your heart and you want it to be completely confidential. God speaks to you that you're supposed to serve in a particular area of ministry or that you're supposed to get involved or you're supposed to really... God wants you to start getting working with, with students or with teenagers. God wants you to begin to lead in a particular area. You can have all the reasons why it won't work and all the reasons why but you know the voice of God is speaking. God speaks to you you go on a missions trip. I've never been in that long of a trip, and I just, God's speaking. The most powerful statement, here am I, send me. You're a kid, and you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to do with your life, and God's speaking to you about vocational ministry. Nobody in your family's ever been in the ministry. Join the club. Me and Tammy. Only thing you know about church and ministry is what you've seen at the local church. Yep, been there, done that. Matter of fact, nobody in your family's ever gone to college. You don't even know how that works. Got it. I understand. Been there. But what you do know. Is that God begins to speak? God begins to work. And He calls you. Here am I, send me. I want to end today's message with you seeing a video of a person that's called to the marketplace, that's a regular attender here at Life Church, married, raising his family here. And in a weekend service, God speaks to his heart about doing something. And I want you to see the result. Check this out.
1: Uh, my name is August Lubinsky. Uh, I'm a Federal Railroad Inspector and I'm also a Army Reservist. been in the Army for almost 21 years now. This is my first missions trip that I'm going on and when this opportunity brought itself up at service. My wife looked at me and goes, you need to go to this. And I said, oh yeah, if you're letting me, definitely I I wanna go, so. So on our first day, we woke up, I think, all of us are very anxious to get out there and after a, a, about an hour on a nice hard surface road, we had another hour and a half, almost two hours on a bumpy, just dirt road. Yeah. And as we we're going through this dirt road, you saw these bomas, which were just little villages off to the side on the left and right, and all these traditional Maasai people and everyone, you could see it in your eyes, it was like, oh, what are we getting into? When we arrived at the, the school, all the kids just kind of rushed at you, like you were just the superstars of the world. I remember everyone was like, well, let's put the phones down and just enjoy the moment. And the kids just bum-rushed us as we came off the bus. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Hands outreached and just open wide like, hey, I'm going to take you and claim you for my person. There's one of those moments where you go, this is what life is about. <laughs>
0: I gotta go! I gotta go! They're
1: leaving you. I think when we we all heard that we're building a greenhouse, we had certain, an image in your head of what was going to be built. And when we got there, we met with the the local foreman's from Tanzania there. Uh, They kind of had everything mapped out on the ground of how they wanted things laid. And, you know, first thing we had to do was dig these holes. (laughs) And in the end, I think in day one, we had the whole frame stood up, the concrete poured in the holes, and that's further than what they really believed we were gonna do on that first day. As we got it all covered, we, uh, we tilled the ground manually, turned the dirt over for them, and this month, in, uh, in January now, is when they'll start planting.
0: Okay. <laughs> <Hey. laughs>
1: One of the best moments were when you'd see 12 grown men and they're just playing with these kids like we're all kids ourselves picking them up in the air or throwing them in the air or lifting them up with one hand above your head just the the sheer joy and happiness that that little moment brought those kids was just it, it was awe inspiring to see that the the Maasai men that's just not their role they're they're more that semi nomadic manly men hunter type society um, so i think the the 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old boys to see other grown men showing that much affection and passion to them really just made them feel like, okay, I can still be a kid. It's okay to still want to do fun things. One of our last days there, um, Justin's life group, they had like 35 to 40 soccer balls that they donated. And they said, hey August, why don't you go ahead and present these balls to the kid? And we were giving one ball to a, a female, one ball to a male. I was honored. and. A little confused because I felt like I don't know if I should be doing this. Good morning, God bless.
0: <laughs>
1: but given the chance, I just kind of looked to God and said, "All right, what what can I say to these kids?" And pray to God, how can He help, and what will make you happy? So, from us at Life Church, we present you guys with a couple of soccer
0: balls.
1: They all jump up and started singing this traditional Maasai song. I remember just, I was wearing my sunglasses because it was bright, but underneath there I was just starting to tear up and choke up, which isn't in my nature necessarily. I was smiling, my cheeks hurt so much after smiling for the whole time they were dancing and singing for us. And it was one of those moments when you just went, yes, this is what it's about right here. Here we are over a month later and, uh, you know, the children from Tanzania and, and just the trip as, as a whole is still heavy on my heart. It's still something I talk about constantly. I still look at the pictures that we shared between each other that I took and just kind of reflect back on certain little key God-like moments that we had. You know it was a great trip. You know that we felt like a sense of accomplishment. We know that God directs us there for a reason just because we still talk about it. If you're looking at doing a missions trip and you're even thinking about it, if you're thinking about it, it's because God wants you to go to that. Don't worry about the financial part of it. That will work itself out and go. Because if if there's something in your heart and your mind saying go, that's the spirit telling you to go. You need to listen and go to it. It will change your life. It will change your perspective. It
0: just furthers that relationship that you need with God.